Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful he's the way maker? Aren't you thankful he's working and moving? Even when you don't see it. Even when it doesn't feel like it. Hallelujah. There are no steps backwards with God. Amen. I believe that what you thought was a a step backward is really just a step in the right direction. Hallelujah. What seemed like a setback is really just a setup. Amen. Glory to God. Go with me to Acts chapter 10, if you will. This is our last midweek of 2022. How many of you can can believe we are at the end of 2022? What in the world? Where did the year go? Hallelujah. But I'm thankful to end the year strong and to carry, allow it to carry us into, right into all that God has for us in 2023. Amen. And I hope that you are getting uh, excited and passionate about what God is doing. A lot of times people get excited about the new year, or the new calendar year, just because they think by flipping the year, it'll flip their life. And your life doesn't just change because you went from December to January, you went from 22 to 23. Your life changes because you make intentional steps and intentional decisions to walk out the plan of God that he has. But I do love the fact that at the beginning of a new year, it just ignites this, uh, just invigorates you, you know? It's just hope. It's like the light at the end of the tunnel. Things start coming on, new vision, new hope. And uh, so I hope that you are uh, leaning into that and God is revealing to you things that uh, he has for you in 2023. I do believe this with all my heart. Your best is yet to come. And um, don't ever believe for a second that your best days are behind you. Don't ever believe for a second that you have accomplished all that you can or all that you will or, or anything like that. Uh, regardless of what we see in the world, our best days are ahead of us. And you need to believe that with your whole heart. And uh, we aren't going into 23 uh, hoping that God has a plan. We're going in knowing he has a plan. And I just want to discover and walk out how great that is. Amen. There's nothing like being a child of the king. There is nothing like being a child of the king. And there is great things in store for you and great things in store for uh, this, this church and his church and all that he's doing in these last days. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, uh, it says this, one of my favorite verses. In the New Living, it reads this way, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Everyone say anointed. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus, everyone say, then Jesus. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him him. We started to look at this idea last week, and we read out of 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, where it says that God sent Jesus to destroy the works of the devil, to utterly destroy, embarrass, uh, put to an end the works of the devil. I know that in the times that we live, the days that we live, it can be easy to get our eyes on Uh, all the wrong, all the bad, all the destruction, all the evil, wicked things that are taking place in our world. But I've got to remind you at the close of this year, I've got to remind you that Jesus was sent and the mission of Jesus, not just Jesus the man, but Jesus uh, now in the form of his church, his body in the earth, we exist to utterly destroy 
the works of the devil. We saw last week that this is accomplished in, by uh, walking in two things, two things that the church has that is not very, uh, not talked about very much, not highlighted very much. In fact, in some arenas, in some circles, it's actually rejected that the church ought to walk in authority and power. Authority and power. We put it this way, that authority is the capacity, but power is the ability. Authority is the capacity. It authorizes me to walk with a power or with an ability, but then I still need the power or the ability to accomplish, the ability to produce, the ability to transform the world that I live in. This verse is very interesting to me. First off, I want to identify that it says that God anointed Jesus. God anointed Jesus. That anointing is the authorizing. It is the sending out with an assignment. It is the empowering. The anointing is a supernatural assistance for a supernatural assignment. I'll say that again. The anointing is supernatural assistance for a supernatural assignment. Now, we have bought this idea, it's a lie really, that God in his sovereignty, in his all-powerfulness, omnipotence, uh, containing all power, we have created a, a, a theory in the church that God doesn't need us. And I get it. In a sense, I mean, he's God. He's creator of the universe. He's, uh, you know, the most powerful being that's ever existed, ever will exist. And at the, end of the, at the end of the day, he doesn't need us outside of the fact that he designed this thing to operate where he partners with us and we partner with him. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that he created the earth and then he said, let them, man, have dominion. And right there in Genesis 1.26, at the very beginning of this thing, he ordains and in his sovereignty, in his sovereign power and in his sovereign ability and in his sovereign capacity, he designed this thing as such to operate. I will rule in heaven but I'm extending my rulership and my authority to mankind on the earth, and now I will operate in authority through them. We already saw last week that my authority doesn't operate without first being submitted to his authority. That is the alignment, or that is the partnership that is necessary. If I'm going to operate in authority on the earth, I must first be submitted to his authority in heaven. There, the, 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 the level that my authority operates is dictated by the level that my submission operates. And my level of authority can never, will never exceed my level of submission. You see repeated accounts in the word of God where man failed to be submitted, they were immediately removed or at, at the very least compromised their authority. When Adam and Eve uh, failed to remain submitted to God's word, do not eat of the fruit of the tree. What happened? They lost their authority, that dominion. Remember the word dominion means to govern, manage, control. Govern, manage, control. So they lost their dominion. They lost their capacity to govern, manage, and control the earth like heaven. So this isn't you and I being in charge in the sense that we get to call the shots. It means that God is operating through you and I. I want to talk to you tonight about the power of partnership. The power of partnership. Because if we don't recognize the power of this partnership, then we won't fully understand our mission and our assignment. If we don't recognize that we are partnered with God and God is, re is partnered with us, we will live our life thinking, God, why is this happening? God, why are you allowing this? God, why aren't you doing something about this? 
God, I need you to intervene. God, I need you. And all the while, the word of God sets us up with an understanding that God is actually sitting back saying, when are you? It says how God anointed Jesus. Immediately you see a partnership between God and his son. Well, you can say, well, Jesus is God. Right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And before Jesus was man, Jesus was God. Well, look at the very next few words. How you know and you know that God anointed Jesus, here it is, of Nazareth. So we're identifying not God, not Jesus' deity in this verse. We're identifying Jesus' humanity in this verse. God is partnering not with Jesus the word, made flesh, not Jesus, the son of God in the flesh and God himself in the flesh, God, the, the, the second uh, being of the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. No, this is clearly identifying how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. We're talking specifically about the man form of Jesus. How God, if God could do it all, there's no need to anoint Jesus. Come on. I'm, I'm just connecting some dots here tonight. We don't even need this verse if God's going to do it all. I don't need to be anointed to complain and cry out to God about what's going on and expect him to intervene. That, that, there's no anointing demanded. No Holy Spirit necessary. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Now we've got all three beings of the Trinity in one passage. They're in operation now. God the Father anointing Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. I mean, how can we come to an idea that God's going to do it all by himself when this very verse shows us a partnership between all three elements of the Trinity in operation. So we've said this before, but it bears repeating. Jesus did not do what he did on this earth as God. We wouldn't need to highlight Jesus of Nazareth. Of means what? Where you're from. Jesus from Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, just identifying his humanity. Jesus didn't do what he did as God. This verse tells us that Jesus did what he did as a man, submitted to the Father, empowered by the Spirit. Let's say that again. Jesus did what he did, not as God. Jesus did what he did on this earth. We got four books accounting to the, the record, and, and then John ended up writing, and we can't even tell you everything he did. If the, if, the, if the ocean were ink and the sky were paper, we still wouldn't have enough room to write out everything that Jesus did in his ministry. And everything that he did, he did as a man, submitted to the Father, empowered by the Spirit. There's a partnership in place. There's a partnership taking place. Jesus did what he did as a man, submitted to the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything the Father tells me to do, I do. Everything the, the, the Father tells me to say, I say. Everywhere the Father sends me to go, I go. His life was fully, completely submitted to the Father. And in response, he says, I need to be baptized I need to receive the Holy Spirit upon my life. And the moment he's empowered by the Spirit, now all of a sudden we start seeing these miracles, these signs, these wonders, this boldness, uh, even the authority in which he read the Scriptures and ministered the Scriptures. Everything about Jesus' life was astounding and astonishing. Everything about Jesus' life was very distinct and set apart, even from the religious community especially from the religious community. Jesus was set apart both from the lost and the, the sinners and from those that thought they were a part of the religious group or the religious crew that had it all together. He lived such a distinct life uh, right down the middle between both dynamics 
the highly super spiritual religious and those that were completely lost and knew they needed a savior. He lived a distinct life, not because he was God coming to the earth in in flesh form, but because he submitted his life to the Father and he lived empowered by the Spirit. He submitted his life into whatever you do, I do. Whatever you say, I say. Wherever you go, I go. And then he was empowered by the Spirit. And I would beg to question if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, (laughs) how much more did you and I need the Holy Spirit? I mean, you can look it up. You won't find a miracle. You won't find a sign. You won't find a a ministering with authority. You won't find uh, a walking on the water, a multiplying of food prior to coming up out of that water and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. You won't find it. But then after he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, he's led by the Spirit. He lives in the Spirit. Guys, for you and I, living in the spirit ought to be more natural than living in the flesh. It ought to be more natural. You and I were designed to reign. You and I were designed to rule. It's within your DNA. Doesn't it feel weird as a believer you don't have answers for the stuff that's happening in the world? Not you, because I know you're taught well and you're shown well and and, and you know that there's uh, more that we have to offer. But you know, for most believers... The gospel that they live and believe is powerless, not powerful. It's lacking, not more than enough. It's more of a, a, it comes from a message of deficiency and lack and, and holding on and holding out until Jesus returns. We have more faith in the rapture than we do in the power that you and I were to operate with. We have more faith believing that Jesus is coming one day rather than Jesus came to make you as him in the earth just as he was, so are you in the earth. And now you can walk in and produce and perform what he did. We have more faith that he's going to come through the clouds and bring us all to heaven, all, all to glory one day than we do when he spoke his own words. And he said, these works that I do, you shall do in even greater works. And I've said it before, but religion has no problem with the practice and the discipline and the, 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 the regimens of Christianity until we introduce authority and power. Authority and power are the two things that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had a problem with. It's the two things that they, that they could not tolerate. I know this because in Acts chapter 3, The disciples were on their way to the temple to pray, as was customary, which means they did this all the time. This was nothing out of the norm, Acts chapter 3. But the moment that they raised up a layman, all of a sudden we got an issue. We've broken custom. We've broken religious practice. We've we've broken the regimen of you go at the time you're allowed to go, you do your little activity, And then you leave and you go about your day. But the moment that we start speaking in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, somebody gets healed and delivered. Now, all of a sudden, we're getting you in front of the, 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 uh, you know, the rulers of the temple. We're threatening you with your life. Don't speak again in the name of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Religion loves weakness. Religion loves the lack of power and the lack of, and, and but they want you to check the box and they want you to go about the motions and they want you to do the right thing at the right time when we tell you. But God's got a bigger plan. And God is partnering with you and I on the earth today. He partnered with Jesus the moment he anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, it says. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. We said this last week, that the moment you commit your life to Christ, you say yes, you're authorized. The yes empowers your authorization. But now I need to receive the power. Now I need to receive the, not just the capacity, but the ability. And the ability has to operate within the capacity. I mean, a police officer has a lot of power but he still has to operate it within the capacity 
there's still an authorization that takes place when you start operating in power outside of authority. Like Jesus' disciples, well, let's just call down fire from heaven. That's power used illegally outside of authority. No, we don't call down fire from heaven, power from heaven to condemn people. We use it to uh, convict them that they would change and redeem their lives. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. And look, they've got biblical examples. You ever heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? That fell into the, but they are given chance after chance after chance. The heart of God wasn't to just, you don't got it, burn burn them up and get them out. The heart of God was, I give you another chance. I give you another chance. And Abraham even stood in the gap with that deal and said, if there's at least 50, if there's at least 20, if there's at least 10 righteous in the city, would you save it? That's the heart of the father. They didn't have the heart of the father. They didn't know what spirit there. It was the power, but it wasn't under the, authorization. So we have the authority, the capacity, and the power, the ability. He authorizes him by anointing Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. What does he do? Then he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for, here it is, partnership. God was with him. God wasn't doing it for him. God was doing it with him. I think that we can uh, find ourselves in a complacent place of living our life where we expect God to do stuff for us rather than with us. And hey, it's, if, if, if that's where your faith is at, that you can believe that God will do something for you, hey, that's great. But I'm showing you another level of revelation that God wants us to attain to, that when I get a, 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 a sick report in my body, that I don't just have to cry out to God, God, heal me, but God, how do you want me to partner with you to demonstrate your glory and your healing power in my body? How can I partner with heaven in this situation? That ought to be our question that, 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 that challenges us and chases us every day. How am I partnering with heaven today? How am I partnering with heaven today? Jesus was partnered with God. Jesus didn't just, he didn't do anything separate from God, but also God didn't do anything separate from Jesus. But God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. He sure can. But the only thing he can do is what he has spoken into existence. Maybe the most powerful words in the entire Bible are, let them have. Maybe God believes more in your capacity than you do. Maybe God believes more in our ability to partner with heaven than we have thought he's relying on us. Amen. The fact that we are to receive the Holy Spirit and that we need this anointing on our lives is the very indication you need to the purpose that you have in this earth. I've had people ask me, you know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and of course they get hung up on the tongues and speaking in tongues and praying in tongues and, what you know, heavenly, that's really what they're, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer. If, if that wasn't a sign or an evidence of being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit, more people would. I think people just don't want to talk weird. Talk in a heavenly language. Why wouldn't you? I said, why wouldn't you? You mean I can pray beyond my intellect and my capacity? Why? Would, how many times have you prayed and been, I, I don't even know what to pray. I don't know what to say. What, 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 wouldn't that be awesome if there was somebody you could connect with that says, hey, I don't know how to pray about this situation, do you? And the Holy Spirit every single time knows exactly what to pray. And he'll pray through you and with you. But he will not pray for you. But he'll, he'll say, hey, I, I know what to pray in this situation. Just listen to me. <laughs> Every time. 
the Holy Spirit prays the perfect prayer every time. He's never once missed it. When I'm weak, he knows how to pray. And I can tap into something. Why wouldn't I want that? But at the end of the day, uh, the, you know, I, I get asked a lot when people get hung up on the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit, what, do I need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? Well, now I know that your focus is incorrect. That's the whole issue. Is you think that we're supposed to say a prayer, die, and go to heaven. And that sums up the level of Christianity a lot of us buy into. There's nothing about going to heaven in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. No, you don't need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. And if that's your only interest in life, is just doing as good as you can and passing on from this one to the next one and going from this realm to that realm, then you don't need it. Don't even bother with it. But if you want to change your focus from going to heaven and turn it into bringing heaven, now, now, I need to tap into another power. I need, to, I need a, an assistance, supernatural assistance for a supernatural assignment. Now I got to get beyond myself. Because let me tell you something. We're wearing ourselves out trying to answer supernatural problems with natural resources. We're wearing ourselves ragged chasing around, trying to do everything we can in our own natural capacity and ability. And all the while, God has said, I've got a Holy Spirit over here for you. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a partner. What did Jesus call him? The helper. Helper. I need some help. Go ahead and admit it. Just say it. Just say it real quick. I need help. Say, I need a lot of help. That's okay. Sometimes it's good to just get it out. Just be honest. I need help. And God's saying, good, I got a helper for you. He's called the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the promised one, the promised one. Now, I'll tell you what, life is a lot easier with a helper. Life is a way easier, so much easier when you got help. Come on, just think about a natural thing you've had to do in life where you're like, man, this would, be, this would go so much quicker. I'd be more efficient. The quality might be a little better if I just had some help. Anybody ever called help, called for help? Come on. You've called somebody and said, I, I need some help. I can't lift this by myself. I can't do this by myself. I can't pray about this by myself. Anybody ever gotten someone to pray with you, naturally speaking, for something? I need someone to come into agreement. I need someone to know, man, hey, would you be praying with me? Anybody ever done that? I know you have. It's on Facebook. It's like you put it out there, asking for prayer. When I was growing up, we had um, unspoken. Y'all remember unspoken requests? Man, I got an unspoken prayer. Like, how bad is it? You can't tell us. <laughs> you know what? Don't share it with me. I don't, I don't think I need to know that. <laughs> I don't want to know. I'll pray as general as you're asking me to pray right now. I'll pray with all the vagueness I got. I just promise you right now, Holy Spirit does not pray unspoken prayer requests. He doesn't go before the Father and say whatever they need. I don't know what it is. Maybe you know what it is. But they're just asking for prayer for stuff that they can't tell me about. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need help. We need help, and God designed this. The reason why you feel that need, the reason why you, you find yourself in situations like, I cannot do this on my own, because you weren't designed to do it on your own. He didn't design you that way. He designed you, it's literally built into the makeup of who you are to rely on someone else for assistance. And I'm thankful when we can rely on our church body or our fellowship or our community. I'm so thankful when I can rely on pastors or other like-minded believers. I'm, I'm so thankful when I can rely on the, the assistance of one another. We'll look at that in just a moment. But man, there is no assistance like Holy Spirit assistance. There's no assistance like Holy Spirit assistance. 
But I would submit to you today that maybe the 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 uh, assistance isn't just I need God, but maybe God needs us. Because at the end of the day, he's the one that designed it. I'm going to do this in partnership with, in tandem with. When man fell, when man failed, when man sinned, everything that Jesus came to do was to restore that position where I've got my assistant back. He's calling for the help in these last days. He's calling for you and I. Not to do it on our own. Pastor Mark, it just seems so big. It just seems greater than I am. It is. It is. So you need to get with the greater one. Greater is he. I said greater is he that is in me than he. See, and I said this on Sunday We've just become aware of the wrong things. I'm afraid we're more aware of Satan's power than God's. We're more aware of those that are against us than those that are for us. And we need, like the prophet prayed for his servant, open up his eyes that he may see that there's actually more for us than against us. And what's surrounding you is surrounded by him. (laughs) I love it. You're never at a deficit. We're never at a deficit. We're never at a loss. We win. Do you know the the back of the book? You know how this thing turns out? The other day, my son, they're on Christmas break. He was spending the night with some some of his friends. And so I went over there, and they're big Georgia Bulldog fans. I know there's probably not very many in here, but, you know, you probably can't relate to that. And I walk in, and it's like, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm picking him up that morning, and they've got the championship game on. They're all watching it. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? What are you and it's, somebody said it never gets old. You like it? Are we going to see a rerun this year? They were watching a rerun, and 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 the mom uh, tells me, yeah, they they uh, they went for a season there where they watched it every morning before school. Rewatched the championship game, and I looked at the kids and I said, "Isn't it fun watching this, knowing the outcome?" Isn't it so much better watching this and not having to be on pins and needles? You know how it ends. You know who the champion is. You know who the victor. Isn't that even better? No anxiety. No, don't throw. What about that that uh, interception that Stetson Bennett threw right there at the end that he had to come back and make up for? Remember that? No anxiety. Like, I know we're going to get it. It looks like we're defeated, but we win. We're the victors. You can't take that away. Well, that's how it should be for you and I. We're watching a rerun, guys. We already know how this thing ends. You're never at a loss. But we ought to become aware of the right things. That's why I don't like talking about what the devil's doing. He doesn't need any more airtime. The news and, and, and the social media outlets and, and probably 90% of your friends and people you hang out with, they tell you what the devil's doing all the time. He doesn't need any more airtime. He doesn't need a promoter. Come on. Let's promote the things of God. Let's promote the agenda of heaven. Let's bring heaven to earth. And let's believe that God's power is greater than the enemy's power. Amen. Well, we just got to become aware of some things. That word power there in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it's the same word power that we looked at in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But when he comes, you'll receive power to be my witnesses. Remember what that word power was? That word power was dunamis. Dunamis, D-U-N-A-M-I-S. Dunamis. We're going to go out strong 2022. I give you Greek words. Dunamis. That word dunamis means force, strength, might, miraculous power. 
That's where we get the word dynamite from. Dynamite. Dynamic. Dunamis. We saw the word last week, the word exousia. Power. In our English Bible, we use power for both. But in the Greek, they use the word exousia, and that meant authority or to be authorized. But this word, power, he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, the Holy Spirit, and with power. He was given the dunamis, the power, the force, the ability, the miraculous power, the strength, the might, not just authorized. He was authorized when he came from heaven to earth as the land that was slain before the foundations of the world. But he received power when he came up out of that water and the Holy Spirit came upon him. That's when he received the power. Now, what does this power do? Well, we, you know, just go down the list, just a few things. This power heals sickness and disease. Did Jesus heal sickness and disease? All right, you can confirm it with me. That's okay. Uh, how about natural calamities, storms? Yeah, did we see that? Yeah, that he calmed a storm. And you notice in all these cases, he didn't have to work very hard. Like, he's not breaking a sweat on this stuff, man. He's healing all kinds of sickness and disease. And I'll tell you right now, he has not found a disease to this day that he cannot cure, that he does not have the power over. Amen. Not only in this age, when it was written, but in the ages to come. Sickness and disease, natural calamity. How about the multiplication of food? Jesus didn't know what lack was. Didn't mean he may have had it in an instant, but he knew where to get it. This dunamis multiplied food. How about walking on water? That's pretty powerful. It's pretty miraculous. It's pretty mighty. Amen. How about victory over death itself? Raising the dead after four days. Lazarus did better than Jesus. Up in heaven, Lazarus is like, I got a day on you, Jesus. You were only down there three. I came up after four. And Jesus is like, I did that on purpose. Yeah, he said he tarried, right? He loved him so much, he waited. I love that. It's funny to me. How about this? The demonic. Casting out devils. That's dunamis. None of these issues were a problem for Jesus. None of these struggles or these challenges were an issue. And still to this day, there, there's nothing that has crept on this earth that falls outside of the capacity of the power of God to change, to transform. We need this power to do this. We need it to rectify all that has fallen out of alignment with the kingdom of heaven. This is why you need this power, to rectify, to bring back into alignment, to correct that which is out of alignment. Sickness and disease is not God's plan. Healing is. Demonic oppression is not God's plan. Deliverance is. Anxiety and depression is not God's plan. Peace of mind is. Come on. Death is not God's plan. Living victoriously a life full life will I satisfy him. Come on. All the evil, all the stuff, everything it is making a demand on the power and the Holy Spirit coming upon your life is an indicator there is something for you to do here. You don't need the Holy Spirit after salvation just to sit around and wait and go to heaven. You don't need the anointing after confessing Jesus as Lord to sit around uh, and, and, and just be as good of a person as you can. You don't need the anointing for that. But if you want to turn earth into heaven, if you want to bring this back into alignment, if we want to rectify and correct that which has been uh, 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 introduced to destruction and brokenness, now we need some supernatural assistance for a supernatural assignment. The Holy Spirit is the very indicator of what you and I are called to do. 
in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Y'all doing okay? I'm just empowering us, reminding us. Maybe for some of you, you're hearing this for the first time, and I want you to receive this with excitement. That now you have an answer to everything that you thought, why is this happening? What can I do? So much of the church, especially in the last 24 months, just with the pandemic and, and the, the different things, the messes that we're seeing in our country, it's easy to become overwhelmed by all that is broken, all that is out of sync, all that you know is against God's plan and design. And you know deep down inside, I should be able to do something about this. You know that, you feel that. So much of the church has drawn deeper into hopelessness. So much of the church has drawn uh, more reclusive, more isolated, more hopeless, and I don't even know why you're coming to me. What can I really do? This is what we're designed and destined to do. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, this is after Jesus died and rose again, visits with his disciples, he says this, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. Do you think God keeps his promises? I hope so. We just sing about it. He's the promise keeper. But this is what he says, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from where? From heaven. So you need power from heaven to change the earth. You're not going to change the earth with power from the earth. Come on. You're not going to change the natural with the natural. You're going to change the natural with the supernatural, with the anointing, with the Holy Spirit. You need power from on high. You need power from heaven. And I will send my uh, helper. I will send the comforter. I will send the, the promise of the Father. These are all the different names and all the different titles that Jesus gave for the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to introduce you to the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can introduce you to you. It's a partnership. You meet you. You meet you. Jesus says, Chris, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Chris. And then Holy Spirit says, old Chris, meet new Chris. Now, old Chris, die. Don't need you anymore. Crucify the flesh, live unto the Spirit. Why? So now I can produce the works of the Spirit. Amen. It's, it's just, it's a big introduction party. It's a big, have you met so-and-so? Um, let, me, let me introduce you over here. You don't even know what this guy can do yet. You don't even know what you're capable of. I said, you don't even know what you're capable You don't even know what you can do. But the Holy Spirit does. You know, the devil knows too. And he's trying to keep you from it. I mean, come on. If your enemy knew how much you're capable of, then it would be their job to make sure you never find out how much you're capable of. Right? That's what the Holy Spirit, that's what the enemy does. He never wants you to find out what the Holy Spirit knows and what he knows. He never wants you to be introduced to the new you. The old is gone. The new has come. But the enemy wants you to still continue to live like the old. And he'll even tell you, hey, now you get to go to heaven. While you're down here, I mean, not much you can do. But at least you get to go to heaven. He's talking you out of the very potential and capacity and power that you contain. He knows that you're authorized, and he knows that you can be empowered and equipped to destroy his works, to destroy the works of the devil. Man, this is so good. In the Passion Translation, verse 49 reads, I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. That means that's how this all comes full circle. Adam and Eve had the Holy Spirit. Through a lack of submission 
lost the spirit of God. Genesis chapter 6 says, I'm removing my spirit from man. I will not contend with man any longer. It means I'm not going to leave my spirit in a place that's contentious. If you don't want it, I'm not going to force it on you. God won't force it on you. God won't force it on you. God has God yet to, to this day ever forced himself on anybody, forced his spirit on anybody, forced anybody to walk according to his plan. He's yet to do it. He's looking for the willing, yielded hearts and obedience that say, I want to lay down the old. I want to take on the new. Everything you have, I want. He says, I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise. This thing comes full circle. So stay here in the city until you are clothed with the mighty power of heaven. A renewed mind invites the supernatural power. A renewed mind welcomes, invites, uh, I would even say makes a demand on supernatural power. As I begin to renew my mind to this kingdom, as I begin to discover what this kingdom's all about, if I, as I begin to discover that this isn't just checking a box, confessing Jesus as Lord so I can uh, have some fire insurance so I don't have to go to hell when I die, and just you know, walking on streets of gold and having a mansion one day, when I really re- recognize that the plan of God that he has for my life is that I can become partnered and employed and deployed by the kingdom of heaven to change the earth. See, this means that we don't, we, we, we can't just complain about it anymore. This means that we can't just cry out to God and say, God, when are you going to do something? Man's waiting on a move of God. God's waiting on a move of man. He's waiting on us to mobilize according to his plan. Amen. Power serves the purpose of rectifying that which has fallen out of alignment. So look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Go through this quickly. Verse 17, Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Everyone say church. Okay, church is not a building, church is not a program, church is not an address, church is not an event or an organization. Church is a people. We do the building, we do the program, we do the event, we do the coming together, the gathering together. Not forsaking the assembly in the last days as the day draws near. Come on, we do that, but it's to empower and equip the people. The fivefold ministry gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher are given for the equipping of the saints, the church. So this is what the church is to be doing. This is your assignment, church. By the way, this is the first and only time Jesus talks about church. It's right here. It's the only one you can find where the word ecclesia is used. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Immediately he introduces the church and identifies it with power. A power that cannot be overtaken by Satan's power. This is the very first instant. It's the only time Jesus talks about the church, his people, his body. And he says, they're going to have so much power that not even hell can overthrow it. Not even hell can withstand it. We were talking with someone uh, just the other day, and, and, and they were trying to overcome this and overcome that. And I said, well, the first thing you got to understand is, is you're not trying to overcome anything. You're not trying to ward off the enemy. He's trying to ward you off. You're the one on the offensive. The gates of hell will not prevail means I'm coming in. I'm tearing down your gates, and you can't withstand my attack. I'm attacking you. You're not attacking me. we got to reverse this thing. Identity is so important. You don't understand your identity, you'll never discover your authority. Authority is tied to identity. You still think you're trying to impress God, prove something to God, striving and and working and, and impressing, and God's saying, man, you are. 
the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my child. You are a saint. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and all the kingdom is backing you. Walk in power, he's saying. He says, the gates of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you, here it is, verse 19. I will give you, everyone say you. The you is the church. So I will give to the church the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And all the while we thought we were waiting for heaven and we find out heaven's waiting for us. I mean, read it. I didn't write it. I know that, that many times we, we choose the path of least resistance. We've accepted a gospel that demands at the, the least amount of participation as possible. But God is inviting us into a kingdom where we are partnered with heaven. We're unified and aligned with the efforts of heaven. And then he empowers you to bring that kingdom here. He says, I've given you the keys. I think I used this example last week. I've used it plenty of times before. But if I give you the keys to something, you have full access. You have the power and the authority. You have the capacity and the ability. Every person that has a key to this building, there's no one that can say, how'd you get that key? Who do you think you are entering that building? Uh, Pastor Mark gave me the authority and I have the power to access and unlock. It's in the key. And those people that have keys to this building should never call me to get access to the building. Come on. What's the first thing I'm going to say if you're calling me and you have a key to the building and you're asking for access to the building? What's the first thing I'm going to say? You know what you would say. Where's your This is easy. The enemy has tried to blind our eyes to make us think that we've got to do so much more to work to get access to the things that God has given us free access to. And not only that, but heaven's responding to what we do. It's very clearly stated. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden, will be forbidden. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. It's very clear the, the amount of responsibility, the one that's dictating how much of heaven gets into this earth and how much of hell is allowed to run in this earth. It's up to you and I. And we can say things like, well, God's in control. God is sovereign. Well, God has a plan. We can say those things, but God's up in heaven like, I didn't write that. I'm not saying that. Let them have dominion to manage, to govern, to control. No, you can't tell God what to do. But when you align with his heart and you align with his values and you align with the agenda of heaven, now you get to bring heaven to earth. Isn't, is that not how Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom, your will be on earth as it is in. It's in the prayer. It's in the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer. Jesus prayed that prayer, and he taught his disciples to pray that way. Your heart, your values, your agenda, the way you, you do it up there should be done down here. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 4, let's just look at this real quick. Maybe we can dig into this deeper. Everyone say this with me. Say next week, no midweek. Okay, y'all got that? Okay. Some of y'all might need to write it down. I mean, I just gave the holiday rundown this past Sunday. I did, from right here. I was standing right here. I gave the holiday rundown, and we had people call this week. Is there a midweek service this week? What are y'all doing for Christmas Eve? Are you doing a Christmas service? I said it right here. 
It's recorded. I can prove it. It's just funny. It's not what I say. It's what you hear. Amen. Okay. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 5. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples. This is Peter and John. This is after they raised up that lame man. And look what they're asking. By what power or in whose name have you done this? I know this, that uh, we're going to dig into the name of Jesus and using the name of Jesus and what that really means. But this is what they're asking. By what power or in whose name have you done this? And look at verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? In partnership with. Come on. Together with. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the what? Nazarene. Again, identifying with his humanity, not his deity, meaning the same man that submitted to the Father and was empowered by the Spirit is the same way we are doing what we are doing. These works that I do, you will do if you follow the plan. Man submitted to the Father in obedience and in alignment and empowered, filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter and John are clearly stating, you saw that man do it, and now we as men are doing the same thing. We're following the example that he gave us. Let me clearly state to all of you. And then he goes on to say, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. You skip on down to verse 29 or I'm sorry, verse 23. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. As soon as they were freed, if you remember, they they bring them before these people and they say, the most that they do in this instant, we know that they they don't get off this easy later on. They get thrown in jail, they get beaten, they get threatened, eventually they get murdered. But in this instance, they just recognize it's going to create too much of an uproar with the people. They're all astonished by this great miracle and this great sign. And so we're just going to threaten them within an inch of their life and send them on their way. Don't ever speak in the name of Jesus again. And they said, what? You do what you got to do. We're going to do what we got to do. That's what they say, in essence. We got to do what our assignment is. Remember, they demonstrated this. They did this miracle, not by crying out to God and saying, God, you see this poor man sitting here at the gate. Would you please intervene on his behalf? He's such a good man, and he wants to walk. What did they tell the man? In the name of gold and silver, I have none. Natural. Natural resource. But what I do have, I give unto you. Can't give away what you don't have. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. Supernatural. Okay? And then he just stated that before the men. You've seen this happen because we're operating in the same power with the same assistance that Jesus did. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together. Now remember, they've just been threatened. They've just been told, can never preach in that name. Now, if that was, you know, some of us, you know, half-saved people, well, our prayer meeting's going to look a little different. Complaining. We need to take them out. How dare them? Right? Look at their prayer. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. Oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. 
So still recognizing his sovereignty, still recognizing he's the all-powerful being. You spoke long ago, long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with feudal plans? The kings of the earth prepared for the battle. Uh, the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But in everything they did, but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. So they're still acknowledging God's role in all this. It's possible to believe that he has empowered you, equipped you to do great things without taking away from the power he has. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants, here it is, great boldness in preaching your word. They didn't ask for less trial. They asked for more boldness. Then in verse 30, he says this, stretch out your hand, God's hand, with healing power, may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Remember, they're in this mess because of the signs and the miracles and the stretching forth of your hand and the miraculous power on display. They're asking for more of what got them in trouble in the first place. I can tell you right now, not all my powers, not all my prayers sound that great. But apparently we should be asking for more of, not less of, more of this power. It says in verse 31, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Why? Because they said in their prayer, we partner with you. Yielded heart invites and welcomes the infilling, the baptism, the refilling of the Holy Spirit. I've been to some powerful prayer meetings, but I haven't been to anywhere an earthquake took place, you had to put stuff back together. I've been to some pretty crazy services, but this one, this one tops them all. The Holy Spirit met them in a place where they say, we're not backing down. We're not relinquishing. We're not giving another step. You said the gates of hell will not prevail against us. You said that whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we forbid on earth is forbidden in heaven. Whatever we permit on earth is permitted in heaven. Whatever we do here, you respond there. And so we're asking, Holy Spirit, fill us again. This was two chapters after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What's this helping us see? That the Holy Spirit is necessary to do your kingdom assignment here on earth. To rule, to reign, to have dominion, to manage, to govern, to control. It's the supernatural assistance for, an, for a supernatural assignment. If their prayer was, God, get us up out of here. This is more than we signed up for. They're scaring us. Come on. We don't want to go through that again. The meeting place isn't shaking. The Holy Spirit isn't filling. The anointing isn't coming upon them. You don't need the Holy Spirit to pray those kind of prayers. You don't need the Holy Spirit to pray a prayer of an escape. But the disciples were, were, were not living a life with the nearest exit in mind. They were living a life that said, Use us for your glory. Use us for bringing your kingdom to this earth. Use us for showing your mighty hand. 
that we need the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing. We need the assistance. We need the authorizing and the power to accomplish what you're calling us to do. It's time that we see a church that walks in authority and power again. It's time that we have prayer meetings that call on heaven to invade us so that we can invade darkness, so that we can push back darkness. Oh, you think it's dark now? Wait till the church is up out of here. It'll get real dark real quick when the one light is gone. It's not time for a flickering light. It's time for a light that stands strong, for a light that stands bright, for a light that leads the way out. It's time to see the redemptive hand of God more clearly than we see the destructive hand of the enemy. It's time to see darkness overturned. Come on, it's time to break into areas and, 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 and uh, venues of life and arenas of life that the world tells us we have no business in. It's time to get in there and turn it upside down. You know, that's what they said about these disciples. Oh, yeah, those men turned the world upside down. Maybe they were just turning it right side up. Come on. He's commissioning us. He's assigning us. He's authorized us. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.